Today on the Dean Dome Talk, we've got a new commit to UNC basketball. Discuss a little bit of controversy around the College World Series. We discuss the Supreme Court case regarding uh, student-athlete compensation. Talk about the Euros, and we round it all off with NBA talk. It's tip-off time on the Dean Dome Talk. Once again today is Andrew. Hey everyone. And uh, we're almost into July. It's just a, a few days until we get into July and NBA is getting real spicy. Olympic squads are getting uh, are, are being settled. People are qualifying, punching their tickets and uh, Euros are still going on. Stanley Cup. There, we got a lot to talk about. So let's go ahead and jump into the quick fire facts if you'd like to take us away, Andrew. Yes, I would. So, first off, um, there was a group of uh, fans of the French national soccer team who missed the soccer game. They were, they were trying to go to the UEFA Euro, uh, one of the group stage games, and they traveled to Bucharest. After they got to Bucharest, they found that the game was actually in Budapest. So poor fans, uh, they, they, they missed the game by going to the wrong city. Not only the wrong city, but the wrong country. Bucharest is in Romania. Budapest is in Hungary. Yeah, so they kind of screwed that one up, up a little bit. Uh, yeah, and it's I, probably I not the game they wanted to miss. I believe it was the game against... I think it was the game against Germany. I'm not 100% sure. Against Germany? I, that was a good one. Either Germany or Hungary. I don't remember, actually. <laughs> But uh, gosh, not only the wrong stadium, not only the wrong city. Hungary, actually, I think it was Hungary. Their first game was against Germany, then it was Hungary, then Portugal. Yeah. So uh, Um, yeah, (laughs) that's gotta (laughs) suck. That's gotta suck. You you buy the tickets, you plan the trip, you drive all that way, and then you find out, oh crap, we're in the wrong place. Someone should have checked to make sure they were going to the right place, the right city, the right country. Yeah, so all you out there who are traveling. If you ever think you've messed up, just remember, you haven't messed up this badly. You haven't, yeah, you have not messed up this badly. You've not gone to the wrong country. Yeah. But um, in other news, in Quickfire, the Harlem Globetrotters want to join the NBA. Um. They, they, they sure have an impressive record. I'll say that for one thing. I mean, they beat, what is it, the Washington Generals? Is that the team they always play? And they, they, they've beaten the Washington Generals thousands of times. So 
maybe that should be reason enough for them to go in the NBA. Yeah, they they wrote an open That's, letter yeah. to the commissioner Adam Silver, NBA commissioner Adam Silver, basically saying, "You can't just act like this is a quote. You can't just act like we don't exist anymore. It's time to right the wrongs and rewrite history. It's time for the NBA to honor what the Globetrotters have done to done for our sport, both here in the U.S. and around the globe." End quote. And. Uh, yeah. I mean, since 1926, the team's won 27,000 games and played in 123 countries. I don't think many NBA teams can can uh, tout that record. No, none of them can. None of them can. And it, I mean, it definitely brings up the question of, like, I can definitely see a partnership between the NBA and the Harlem Globetrotters because, I mean, they're right. They have done a heck of a lot for the sport especially with what adam silver has wanted to do adam silver has wanted to it seems like for me at least adam silver has wanted to expand the game so that expand the market beyond the u.s and the harlem globetrotters have have done a lot to help that because they're constantly playing overseas you know how many countries did you say they've been in 120 123 countries countries. that's a lot so yeah, I mean, they, ha- they have a point. Um, now, I don't know about them be- becoming a full-fledged team. Um, certainly, they would have to change up their roster. Because um, I was looking at their roster before before we started, and they have only two players who have played at, or maybe three players who have played at uh, Power 5 conferences in college. So, you know. They would have to enter as an expansion team, and um, and honestly, I don't think they'd be allowed to stay in Harlem. I don't think the NBA would allow three teams in that area. Yeah, that would be a big, um, you know, it'd be a divide between the teams that are there. Yeah. So it's yeah, it seems hard to to think that, and you you can't have the Globetrotters if they're not in Harlem. Like that is, it is the Harlem Globetrotters. Exactly. Is connected to a city or to an area it's the harlem globetrotters so um maybe move the so that's nets. why i think maybe a partnership would be better yeah, maybe or maybe move the nets back to new jersey kick them out of new york or something i don't know yeah i could see that i could see that but um, there's too much money in the pot for for the nets to just willingly yeah. leave so yeah yeah i i see yeah. what the i see what the globetrotters want and how like you know it, 27,000 wins is nothing to bat an eye uh, at, but like they're trying to compete in a market where there are already two big names there, the Nets and the Knicks. And right. I don't think that's going to work. Yeah. And also, I mean, they, um, what's it called? even though it is 27,000 wins. And they have had big-name players who used to play there. I think Wilt Chamberlain played Wilt there. Wilt Chamberlain, the Connie Hawkins, yeah. Nat Clifton. Those are three names. Though Obviously, these are a little bit older names. Yeah. So, uh, And they actually defeated mm-hmm. the world champion Minneapolis Lakers. Uh, the, same, like, the same franchise that is uh, in L.A. They were not always in L.A. And uh, they did defeat them uh, in uh, in 1948 and 1949. So still a long time ago before 
professional sports really got off the ground for uh, basketball. Yeah. Um, also, they have they have some cool honorary members of the team. Um, Whoopi Goldberg, Nelson Mandela, uh, Pope Francis. Pope Francis. They're all honorary members. Yeah, <laughs> they're all honorary members of the team. So, um, not many teams can say that. Not many teams can say that. <laughs> to have Nelson Mandela and Pope Francis on your team. There we go. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a winning combo right there. Um, yeah, no no other NBA team can say that. So I wonder what the, where this will go. Uh, it would be interesting to see how Adam Silver responds to the letter. Um, but fun news, fun news. In, in, in other news, there is a man who, his name is uh, Arion Knighton, 17 years old. He's a sprinter. High schooler. Just the other day. He broke Usain Bolt's under 18 200 meter record. Uh, Knighton clocked it 20.11 seconds at an American track meet in Jacksonville, Florida, beating, beating Bolt's record of 20.13 from 2003. So this guy's 17 years old. He broke Usain Bolt's under 18 record. Watch out, watch out. Not too many people can beat Usain Bolt's records. Keep keep your eye on him because he's also going to the Olympics. He just yeah, qualified yeah, uh, yesterday yeah. on the twenty sixth of uh, June. So he keep your eye on him. He's someone to watch out for, not just in this coming month, but also in the future years. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, I sure hope he could make the Olympics by beating Usain Bolt's records. Um, but lastly, and definitely not least, we have got a. A great quick fire story for you. So there was a man who was sentenced to 24 hours in a Waffle House after losing in fantasy football. Uh, His name is Lee Sanderlin. His fantasy football league had decided the, the, the loser of the league would be forced to spend 24 hours at Waffle House. However, there was there was a caveat to it. So part of the rule is for every waffle that you eat, you get to cut one hour off of your 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 sentence to Waffle House. So this guy, he ate nine waffles, which cut it down from 24 hours to 15 hours. And then, um, then after 15 hours, he was allowed to leave. He says he tipped well since he stayed for 15 hours. Um, but he did t- tell NPR that he is never going to eat waffles again. <laughs> fun stuff there you know it's also the fact that he suggested this punishment for the league loser and he ended up losing losing. yeah so kick yourself in the butt right there right right not a good idea to um make a rule if you wouldn't like to do it although who knows maybe he enjoyed it maybe he thought it was fun see i wonder did he just get plain waffles for this for these uh or is nine waffles plain, or did he just go for the pecan waffles? Like, you know, I might as well, yeah. you know, go for it, you know. But uh, <laughs> this this one really, uh, <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing for quite a while when I saw this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in Waffle House of all places, so 
Yeah, I guess they're yeah they're a twenty four seven restaurant. I mean, I wonder if there's a record for longest time spent in a Waffle House. You know there is. There has got to be one. <laughs> um, you know what? I wonder how close this guy got. I'm going to record for time spent in a Waffle House. I'm, uh, the record. Oh no, that's the tallest stack of uh, waffles. That's not a. Uh, yeah, I don't see. Yeah, I don't see. I only see. Looking up, looking up, stuff about Waffle House is kind of a deep hole to go down in the, uh, in the <laughs> internet. Because I just saw a website called MajorLeagueEating.com/slash/contests. Oh gosh. Oh yeah. Gosh. Uh, <laughs> let's leave this for a day when there is not a lot of uh, stuff to talk about. Maybe in the end of July or maybe yeah. really early yeah. August between yeah, the Olympics and the NFL season <laughs> starting. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look this yeah. up. So, uh, but we'll leave that until later. Be a record. So uh, that's the end of Quickfire Facts. So let's go ahead and jump into uh, some some NCAA basketball news uh, relating to UNC. First of all, Seventh Woods has now found a new new court to play on. He is transferring from South Carolina to Morgan State. So uh, that came in this State. week. Morgan State. I don't know very much about this, so I didn't really do too much research into it, but just thought to put it put this out there that he has found a new home but in bigger news we reported last week that uh seth trimble the brother to jp tokoro the younger brother to jp tokoro was touring or visiting unc and that he would commit on wednesday and lo and behold he committed wednesday to unc so uh Yay. the number one player in wisconsin in the class of 22 Eighth best point guard in the whole class, fifty fourth overall, and a four star. I could see his ratings going up, uh, just because he commits to UNC. That's how things typically happen, and as more stuff goes. And I believe he's six three, so he's not a short point guard. He's he's a good size point guard. He could be six four probably by the time college starts if he keeps growing. And um, aggressive player likes to get to the rim, has range. Um, not, I'm not 100% sure about his ball handling skills, but something that really concerned me from just looking at highlights and never judge a player entirely based on highlights because as as the name implies, these are highlights. You're supposed to see the best of the player in this. But my concern was how he finished around the rim. It doesn't really look as polished as something you'd see with Kobe White or... Uh, or even like Kyrie Irving or something, his finishing was extremely sort of rudimentary. It's sort of he the hard part for him, like he got past the hard part of getting to the bucket. Then the next part is you know I'll just put the bucket up, uh, put the ball up to the bucket just somehow. I'm not gonna like roll it off my fingers or anything. He just sort of pushes it up there. And a concern of that for me is that I can just basically see it in like two years. Him driving into the lane, getting to the bucket, only to get blocked like twenty times a game by the big who's just sitting under the bucket. Though I, yeah. this isn't something I think that's going to be a big problem for him. This is something he can definitely 
grow out of, develop out of, improve. But that th- that was my one concern watching him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, mm-hmm. but I am ex- still extremely happy to see him commit. Uh, UNC has three commits now, I believe, for the class of twenty two. Yeah. Where so, um, we got the center. Uh, I cannot remember his name to save my life. I did not do my homework. Uh, I can pull this up really quickly, though. Oh, we only have two. We have two commits. Will Shaver and Seth Trimble. Okay. Okay. So, Will, Will Shaver, center, 6'9", uh, three-star, committed June 2nd. So, mm-hmm. there we go. Okay. I okay. can see us uh, getting some more commits soon, probably. In the next two months, something like that. Hope so. Yeah, we've got a lot of guys on our list. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's, I I personally feel like when it's you know a new coach, and I, he's been around the program for a while, but still, it's a new coach. So it's important to set the you know set the standard recruiting wise very early, set the tone very early. Um, so that's good. We got Trimble. Um, hopefully, we can get a couple other guys for the upcoming years. Yeah, yeah. Because you know that other teams are going to be saying on the recruiting trail, "Look, Roy Williams just left UNC, and they're going to frame it as UNC has a big hole now. UNC is going to have a big drop off because their Hall of Fame coach just left." And so that's why I think it's important, you know, that we have success early recruiting um, to kind of go against what these other coaches are going to be saying. Like, exactly, you know. exactly. Yeah. This first yeah. year is critical, mm-hmm. both in recruiting and on the court performance. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Would you like to go into baseball now or talk about the Supreme Court case? Sort of more into detail than that. Uh, briefly go into the baseball, um, All right. college baseball. So, And then I can go into the Supreme Court case. So college baseball, as we had talked about the past couple times, NC State was making an incredible run in the NCAA tournament. Um, they, they won the regionals despite not hosting the regionals. Then they won the Super Regionals after losing the first game to Arkansas, 21-2. to They came back, won the next two games. And then got to the College World Series, were making some noise, were one game away from the, you know, the, the final. And then they got kicked out of the tournament um, because of COVID issues. Yeah, COVID strikes so again. So it was a very, yeah very very disappointing end for their season um this is a team that i mean this is the farthest they had ever made it into the ncaa tournament before you know i really feel for the fans the players um even though i'm a unc fan i really feel for these state fans players the coach i mean the coach he's in his 25th year at the team and this like it felt like it was all kind of building up to this shot at winning a national title they were one Away, one game away from making it to that final against Mississippi State, and then, and then this happens. So it, it really sucks for them. But um, yeah, it was finals multiple players who were vaccinated too got tested mm-hmm. positive for COVID, 
and um, of yeah. course, being vaccinated reduces the how bad it is. So they'd probably be good to go in a few days. But though I don't know if they would have been allowed to take those few days off. So yeah. uh, I mean, they played the day before they got kicked uh, before the admin win was given to Vanderbilt. So uh, yeah, and the day before that too. So. I'd like um, to point out in the other game, uh, Mississippi State versus Texas, or Mississippi State won. Texas was up three to two in the sixth inning, and they had a forty-six and zero win rate uh, when they were up in the sixth inning. Really? If they were winning in the sixth Man. inning, they they had a forty-six and zero record, yeah. and they lost. Yeah. That is rough. Yeah. Man, to blow that. Um, and they are, I think they were the number two ranked team going into the tournament. So that's, man, man. <laughs> Gosh, big. That was big of Mississippi State to be over, overcome that, knowing that Texas is so good at closing out games. Um, and Texas is a big time program as well. I mean, they've won the NCAA tournament six times. One of the better, you know, better programs. So that, that was a huge, you know, huge comeback for Mississippi State. It'll be interesting. It's an all SEC final. Yeah. Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt State. State won it last time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, that was... yeah, that's, that's the college baseball news. Yeah. Kind of stinks for State. Wish they would have, you know. You'd like to see when a team loses, you want them to lose mm-hmm. on their own accord, like them trying, right. instead of them being told you you can't play. We're gonna give the other team the admin. Right, game. right, right. Yeah, I I really wish they would have said, okay, let's see if we can postpone this all by a week, and see if they, you know, state would have been able to have enough players to play by then. Um, but it is what it is. So, Supreme Court? Yeah, Supreme Court. Yeah. So, the headlines were full, both in, you know, sports headlines and the normal kind of news headlines. But the Supreme Court decided the NCAA versus Austin case. Uh, that was a case where a group of students basically sued the ncaa in out in california i believe and they just went after a lot of the ncaa's rules they said that ncaa violated antitrust laws specifically the sherman act um and um in the district court level which is which is the lowest level the district court found basically agreed with the students on a lot of areas however the district court basically refused to touch the area of um, student or athletes not being paid for being athletes which obviously was one of the things brought forward because you know they're the athletes are bringing forward the athletes are saying look these programs are making lots of money based off of um us playing we should be getting salaries for that but ncaa says no however the the district court did not rule in favor for them on that but they ruled in favor of them for saying the ncaa was not allowed to um restrict education related benefits 
So then it goes up to the Court of Appeals. Both sides appealed, right? And the Court of Appeals basically said, look, we're going to agree with the district court on this one. They got everything right. Then the NCAA appealed to the Supreme Court. What is surprising is that the students did not, the student athletes did not appeal the issue of not being paid salaries, which I found very confusing. I'm, I'm not really too sure why they didn't appeal that part of the uh, previous decisions. That, I mean, when you get this close to being able to get to the Supreme Court, I mean, that, that just sounds like something you have to do. And this is the whole, you know, I'm sure student athletes are going to be glad about the education related benefits that they can now receive, but I'm sure they would have really loved to have received salaries for being athletes. So very confusing why they didn't do that. Um, they, they probably Supreme had some Court. sort of advice. Some people smarter than us in this manner probably advised them yeah. not to. That, that would be my best guess. Yeah. Right. That's, I mean, that's probably what it was. Um, there's probably some kind of reason for it, but still it was a little surprising. Um, but anyways, the NCAA went on and they kind of, they appealed to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court, in their decision, in their opinion, the majority opinion that they wrote, which, by the way, all nine of the Supreme Court justices agreed to uphold the previous court's decision. So basically, the Supreme Court decided unanimously that the NCAA could not restrict education-related benefits. And they go through a lot of legal jargon as to why um, that's a violation of antitrust laws. And, you know, they, they kind of go through a bunch of, yeah, a bunch of legal jargon as to, to why that is. So at the end of the day, that's what we're left with. Education-related benefits is now, you know, students can get more education-related benefits. And the court said, you know, that can include postgraduate scholarships for vocational school or kind of graduate school. But um, it's not what we were expecting. And, you know, the news portrays it as this is a huge win for the student-athletes, which I understand why, because technically they won against the NCAA. But I was kind of hoping that the the court would go further than this, and or at least I was expecting the court to try to go further and try to argue. Well, no, not only just education related benefit caps are not allowed. Also, you cannot prevent student athletes from not receiving salaries, which is exactly what Justice. Avanal said in his concurring opinion. So kind of a little background of how, you know, these court cases work. The, um, the majority writes their opinion. They say this, this is what the court has decided, right? And there, there are nine members on the Supreme Court, so that means only five of them have to agree in order to decide, decide something. So they, they write what they decide, and they also write their reasoning. And that's very important because what a concurring opinion is, is when a justice says, I agree with the results that the court came to, but I either, one, think that the that there should be different reasons for the results, or two, I think the court should have gone even further than what they did, which Kavanaugh, he basically went with the, with the second option. He agreed with the reasoning that the um, court used to get to their decision, 
but he said they, the court should have even should have gone even further and he really ripped into the ncaa um and basically questioned how can you have an industry where the employers say that are in you know we are allowed to not pay salaries to our employees which is a i mean it's a good question and he you know he he brings up at one part uh one point of his opinion like look if this were the you know the legal profession you know no no law firm could get away with saying um oh it you know it makes the profession better if we restrict the amount of money that lawyers can make or the same thing with healthcare. you know you can't a hospital can never get away with saying oh we're going to cut the salaries of all nurses and basically not pay nurses at all because it makes the healthcare profession better so he he really went into the um ncaa and he ended his opinion by saying quote the ncaa is not above the law that's the kicker right there that's yeah like he he was that that phrase right there that phrase right there sets so much precedent that phrase by by itself will set so much precedent in terms of law so any almost any time like let's say a separate case needs to be brought up against the NCAA for not allowing salary or something that can be brought up as precedent and lower courts will say well the supreme court uh uh, Justice Kavanaugh said the NCAA is not above the law and referenced that whole spiel you just referenced right there. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. that I think is the big power behind it. The concurring right, opinion. Right. Yeah. Now the, the thing is, like you said, this is only, this would only basically apply to future cases. Well, yes. Because this is, this is not binding. Well, technically, this is not binding law because it's the concurring opinion. It's not the official, the official majority opinion. It's just the concurring one. Although, like you said, if this issue is discussed later in courts, then the courts will say, "Look, I mean, the the, the concurring opinion said this. This is kind of the only discussion we get about this topic of whether or not the NCAA can restrict salaries." You know. Uh, prevent schools from paying salaries then they'll look to the concurring opinion because the majority opinion did not discuss that issue so basically what we have now is the only explicit discussion of whether or not salaries can be paid is through this concurring opinion though you know like you said even though it's not binding it's still you know it's still important because they'll look back to it um yeah, but I mean, he really, he really ripped into the NCAA. Um, I mean, he said, "quote The NCAA's remaining compensation rules also raise serious questions under the antitrust laws." He goes on to say that um, the NCAA's arguments for not paying student athletes are "quote circular and unpersuasive," and he, I mean. Yeah, I mean, he just just goes after them, and he brings up that the fact that a lot of these student athletes come from lower income backgrounds, so it's almost like, you know, it, there's an element of unfairness there that they don't get any of that money. But um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. So it'll be interesting to see. I think this is kind of a this this sets sets the stage for what's going to happen next. Yeah, I'm and so, I'm curious what's going to happen next because. 
uh, sort of a follow-up to this is multiple states are basically putting in legislation that's going to be like is going to basically require that these athletes be compensated while others mm-hmm. aren't. So now the NCAA is in a race uh, to sort of put their own requirements in so that colleges, universities that are not in states that are getting these laws will not have a recruiting disadvantage over others. Right, right. That, that, that's a yeah. huge thing that's being that has to be accelerated now. Um, mm-hmm. As to yeah, when those go into what effect. Calif- I know California. I don't remember any of the others. Let's see. I'm Googling it right here. Right. Um, move forward on compensation. Um, Georgia also recently... I'm also wondering, is there going to be anything similar to NBA um, in, between, like, in leagues? Like, maybe the ACC has certain rules, like, if they ever do salaries, is there going to be like an ACC salary cap or something? It's like you can't pay, like this is how much you can pay your yeah. players or something like that, or some I mean, sort of like anti uh, competition cool. thing between universities in the uh, in the ACC so they don't compete with each other too badly. I don't know. There, there is. This has blown the doors wide open. We're about to enter the wild, wild, wild west. And yes, very much so. Yeah, because you, you you brought up two great things. You brought up two great points. One with different conferences, how much leverage would conferences have if states or if the NCAA then eventually says, "Look, we're allowing you to pay." And then second the the part about some states are making it legal for schools to pay and it brings that question of okay if california and georgia and the other few other states who are doing this it's a recruiting advantage exactly. if the ncaa doesn't make a a wide-ranging thing saying well everyone's allowed to because now you're saying okay usc and UCLA and University of Georgia, Georgia Tech. Now, when they're recruiting football, basketball, they're they're able to say, "Look, you should come here because we're gonna pay you." Well, California has an Although, advantage I mean, in itself of being California, like right, yeah, right. Like, right. Uh, only California schools mm-hmm. can say. I mean, California, but is, though, beach and everything. Yeah, but the thing is, Pac-12 though, the Pac-12 has really fallen off in the past five or six years in football. Um, but there's a lot of money there. Yeah, there is a lot of money. There's a lot of potential, but it seems to be wasted, frankly. I mean, their their programs should be doing a lot better than they are. Although they did have a good NCAA tournament in basketball the past year. Yes. Um, but, okay, another question. Another question. So let's say you start paying, right? Yeah. Who do you pay? So you pay... You pay the family uh, or the players? College basketball players. Cause they, right. Well, well, that's that's a good that's a good question. But which sports do you pay? Well, so you're you paying college pay basketball them all because those they generate revenue. So, yeah, it's going to be easy to pay your basketball team. You've got 13 players there. Maybe 10 of them you pay. There are three are walk-ons or something like that, and you don't have right. to pay them. Right. Um, I think right. we're going to see the walk-on be a lot more of a thing to get around having yeah. to pay. Um, right. But are you going to football play teams? Tennis? Football teams are going to be expensive. 
Definitely. Soccer teams. Those are the sports. Field hockey. Mm, no, not because they don't generate revenue. Yeah. No, they don't generate revenue, though. It's going to get and really hard. It brings up a Title IX, so like kind of sex discrimination issue. And I think that Kavanaugh mentions that that's a one concern, or maybe it was part of the majority opinion. Because if you start paying just college football and men's basketball, which are the two sports that generate revenue, the most revenue, women's basketball generates some revenue, so they can maybe, you know, they might get paid some. Because if it's based off the revenue you generate, it's going to be primarily those two sports of you know men's basketball men's football and that brings up you know sex discrimination then maybe the best role is no salary but you're like if you want to if you're advertising anything you're allowed to like you're you're allowed to make money off yourself but the schools Mm -hmm. will not be allowed to pay you a salary they can give you a scholarship but no salary because you're opening such a big can of worms right there that Mm -hmm. There is going to be a lot of problems, and a lot of schools are not going to be able to fund this. UNC, Duke, uh, Zaga might be able to use the California schools will be fine. Virginia, yeah, the Power Five schools. I mean, not even not all the Power Five schools. Uh, There's going to be schools even in the Power Five who are not going to be able to afford this to be able to salary all their players. Which is going to make conferences even more important because the conference television deals bring in lots of money for the schools. And a lot, you know, some of the smaller schools depend upon the conference television deals. Vanderbilt and SEC, there's no way they could compete, but they're going to depend on that television deal. So, yeah, it is going to, it's going to be bad for smaller schools because they're not going to be able to pay as much. And then also, um, what about some sports? I was reading the other day about college baseball, right? So college baseball historically has not been a revenue generating uh, sport. However, there have been a group of 10 to 15 teams who have really tapped into the college baseball market in their areas. Most of them in the SEC, although I think a couple of them are in other areas too. ECU, I think. ECU's baseball is pretty strong. It's very strong, but it's not like some of these other schools. Like there are some schools who have 10,000 10,000 seat stadiums and they oh. fill them up consistently hmm. when you know, no one else is able to do that. I mean, it's what's Boshmer? Like is Boshmer like 5,000? Five. Yeah. yeah five, but Boshmer's pretty full so a lot of the time. Okay. It's pretty full. Yeah. It's pretty full. But then you get this extra recruiting disadvantage for those group of schools who are able to make a sport profitable that is not profitable for any other school. You know? Yes. I, yeah, I get what you mean. Like, then there's also the yeah. line, there's the sort of the counter argument to that is like, where is the rights of the NCAA or the control, whatever control of the parties there are to make yeah. sure that everybody has a fair chance when it comes to that? Yeah. There's, yeah. there's a line to walk across, a very thin line. And I think somebody's going to be mad either way. Definitely. And I think there's probably going to be a very vague I told you so from the NCAA once this all goes into effect where down the line yeah. schools are just not going to be able to keep athletic programs open because they have to pay more mm-hmm. if they have to do if, if salary is the way they go. 
like I said, right. I, I don't think salary is probably the way to go with this. But yeah. be like, you know, here's your scholarship. You are free to make money off of your own image as long as it does not hurt the image of the university or anything. And as long as it, you know, it doesn't breach, as long as it doesn't do anything bad, basically. Right, right. Don't, I, th- I agree with you. Yeah, don't, just don't the... break any laws and don't, you know, don't advertise bad really things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It relieves the burden from the NCAA and from the schools, and it says, okay, you think that you can make money off yourself, go ahead. And which players will. I mean, like, I just think about Zion, you know, he was such a media sensation just a couple years ago in college. He would have made tons of money. And there are a lot of other players who would, too. Um, So, you know, they're. But then it, it relieves the universities from that pressure of just having to make these tough decisions about how much to pay and exactly. all that. Um, although I could see I could see a possibility of um, basically something to the effect of a an increased stipend. I think that you know student athletes get some kind of small stipend, um, but almost an increased one that's across the board, right? So that you know you can make your name, image, likeness, and then you can also get this extra little bit of stipends. Yeah, it's which gets, get food, yeah. get stuff like it's, it's right, stuff right. Like get more than they can right now but no. yeah oh. so one one funny thing i want to point out before we move on the court points out in the majority opinion they go through the history of the ncaa fighting um you know trying to keep the sport an amateur sport uh they point out an instance in 1939 when a university of pittsburgh football player <laughs> he went on strike um, because he said the upperclassmen were being paid more than the uh, underclassmen. <laughs> he was a, he was a freshman at the time. <laughs> wow. So, um, yeah, yeah. But um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, going on strike, not getting paid. Um, any any last thoughts on this? No, I think we. I think we've said all we can really say at this point regarding this. Yeah. This is still, yeah. as as I said, this is the beginning of a mm-hmm. new era, and it's gonna it's the wild, wild, wild west. We'll, we'll, yep. We're gonna see. We'll keep uh, keep everybody up to date on uh, what happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess it's time to move on to the NHL. The Montreal Canadiens versus Tampa Bay Lightning. That is the matchup mm-hmm. for the Stanley Cup. Uh, the Canadians yep. have won more Stanley Cup cups than any other team, but they're looking to be the first Canadian team, there are seven Canadian teams, uh, to win a Stanley Cup since the Canadians won it in 1993. These names, since since the Canadians huh. won it in 1993, there are seven Canadian teams. So, uh, Canadian, yeah. some were playing there, but uh, the Lightning are looking to repeat after winning last year. So, another trip yeah. to the Stanley Cup uh for the lightning yeah and uh that's it for there's only one one uh one matchup in the nhl right now that's it yeah their season's almost done yeah let's move on to uh you got something to say well just uh very briefly before we go on to the u to soccer um this is huge for both teams because if the lightning win you know like you said it would be a back-to-back championship it kind of would establish themselves as a semi, um, a semi dynasty for this 
you know era of the NHL because it would be two straight championships plus the year before they won the championship they finished with um you know the number one record in the NHL and I think it was I think it broke an NHL record for you know most you know wins in the regular season or most points in a regular season so that's what's at stake for them and then Canadians I mean like you said most Stanley Cups of all time but they haven't won in decades so they're trying to reinvigorate their franchise yeah so uh lot to play for yeah Move on. moving on to the euros um group stages have concluded four of the eight round of 16 games have been played and uh let's go ahead and just knock some stuff out so we're gonna go through the six groups and just say who got through um, Italy, Wales, Switzerland got through in Group A. Uh, Turkey not making it through. Group B, Belgium, Denmark get through. Finland, Russia miss out. Group C, the Netherlands, Austria, and Ukraine make it through. Northern Macedonia has to go home early. Group D, England won the group. Croatia and Czech Republic go through as well. Scotland, unfortunately, goes home. One of the Cinderella teams have picked out. Uh, but more more interestingly, England won this group without conceding a goal for the first time in a major tournament since the 1966 World Cup. And they won the World Cup that year. Their only World Cup. So uh, England to win the Euros? Just I don't know. Keep your eye on it. I don't, I don't think they will. But, you know, keep your eye on it. Uh, their matchup is against Germany on Tuesday, so uh, if they can get through Germany, it should be a little easier for them. Uh, Group E, Sweden, Spain, Slovakia, Poland. I was surprised Poland finished last, to be honest. Um, yeah. and it's, just, it's just Sweden, Spain making it through here. Poland has a lot of talent that they... Yeah, and they have the best striker in the world, Robert Lewandowski, and his goals weren't enough to see Poland through. And yeah. Group F, the group of death, with a very, very wild last day in the game, in that last day where France and Portugal were playing. So many score changes in that game. It's drama. But also drama on the other game, Germany-Hungary, where Hungary yeah. took an early 1-0 lead. And held yeah. on to that lead for a while before Germany equalized. But Hungary immediately took the lead again right after that, going 2-1 up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I believe Germany won that game 3-2 in the end, securing their spot in second place. While the France-Portugal game itself was uh, a lot of a lot of drama too. Two penalties, uh Cristiano Ronaldo, two goals, and uh, ended in a 2-2 draw. Yeah. So, and the, like you said, so wild. Because any of those teams could have made it on to the, uh, onto the final round. Portugal? You know, I'll say this, right? Portugal yeah. that day during those, those games was in one of all four spaces at some point of, of the group. <laughs> That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. Man. So um, that just those results set up these round of 16 matches. Denmark-Wales, which was already been played. Denmark won 4-0. Wales goes home. 
Uh, Italy, Austria, which was settled in extra time. Italy won 2-1. Czech Republic, 2, Netherlands, 0. That was a surprise to me. Uh, I did not see the Czech Republic uh, bashing the Netherlands like that. Uh, and the last of the games that has already been played, Belgium won Portugal 0. This sort of went against what I was thinking, because Portugal is a more talented team in every... Uh, they're a more balanced team and have mm-hmm. just a higher level of talent across the board than Belgium, but Belgium has some really good players in really good places, but have weaker positions in other places to sort of counteract that. And really, the Belgium's only goal was a wonder strike from Thorgan Hazard, the brother of Eden Hazard. Um, just a, a rocket from outside of the box past uh, Rui Patricio, the Portuguese goalkeeper. And Portugal just could not get past Belgium. Belgium does have a decent defense and a good goalkeeper, Thibaut Courtois, uh, the goalkeeper for Belgium. Uh, so those are the games that have been played. Four teams have booked their spot in the round of eight, the Elite Eight of the Euros. Uh, here are the other four matches to be played on Monday. These are the two on Monday, first of all. Croatia, Spain, France, Switzerland, and then the two on Tuesday, England, Germany, Sweden, Ukraine. So, uh, yeah. Hopefully they'll be good games. Yeah, I think the first four were... The first four were all, frankly, in my opinion, big surprises how they went. Yes. Um, I mean, except for uh, for Italy. Italy winning. Still, well, they should have won easily, though. Yeah, that was Italy's first goal conceded in a very long time. Italy. 1,100-something minutes. 1,300-something 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 minutes. 1,300 okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Italy had gone 1,300-game minutes without conceding a goal until Austria scored. Uh, so yeah so um i guess it's kind of concerning is it concerning that they had to go to extra time against austria because austria never made it to the knockout stages of the euros before they haven't made a world cup since 98 i mean i know they have some good players but italy the way they played in the group stage they dominated that group and they come in here and they you know, it takes them. You know, Austria takes them to the edge. Should we should we be concerned about that moving forward? A, a little bit. Uh, part of so we're getting into the sort of the meat of the pie of the tournament. This is where because mm-hmm. teams are playing games fairly often. This is where your squad depth comes in, and Italy does mm-hmm. not have the squad depth. Yeah, Austria was basically playing on adrenaline. Italy was playing professionally. And they're going to start seeing the effects of not having a squad. This is why it's really hard for Cinderella teams, other than Greece somehow, um, winning big tournaments like this. Uh, Denmark is probably going to feel it soon, though Denmark playing Wales is probably one of the easier picks they could have gotten in this round of 16. Um, But, yeah. So I want to go ahead and sort of predict these last four games that have yet to be played. So Croatia, Spain. I am not mm-hmm. sure about this. I could see this actually going both ways. 
Croatia has a lot of experience on that team, those older experience. Spain has a little bit more youth mm-hmm. to it, but also does have some age. Um, they're mm-hmm. they're a decent mix. I think Spain has enough to get past Croatia, but I wouldn't be surprised if Croatia was able to get a goal, just nick a goal from somewhere and just park the bus. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. my my. Uh, that's where I put it. France, Switzerland. I'm sorry, Switzerland. You don't stand a chance. France is too good. <laughs> France is too good, yeah. too deep of a squad. If if Switzerland wins, it's such a big upset that the coach would be fired, probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's save England, Germany as last because that's the spicy one. Uh, yeah, we, I mean we only have one more other than that. Uh, Sweden, Ukraine. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not sure how the Ukraine made it this far. <laughs> uh, Same here. I gotta go, with Sweden. Sweden's defense has been pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. Victor Lindelof has been one of the really good defenders, and they've been. Somehow managing to nick a goal here and there. I think they should get past Ukraine. With with a with a great deal of effort, they'll get past the mm-hmm. Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And that leaves England, Germany. Uh, I don't know. Part of me wants to say football's coming home. It's what it's what <laughs> English fans love to yell and you know chant. Yeah. Football's coming home because it was football or soccer you know created in england arguably uh so england has the pieces england has the pieces to win this game now whether or not their manager is smart enough to use the pieces at his disposal is another question in how on earth the english manager is being offered a new contract to manage England, I have no idea. Because he is terrible. He does not know how to manage this team. Yeah. He does not know how to manage people or the team at all. Germany's struggles are probably going to be on the leg side. They might not be able to keep up with faster players on England squad. If they decide to, if England decides to basically run in behind Germany, uh, England has Jaden mm-hmm. Sancho, Marcus Rashford, uh, Jack Grealish, uh, Raheem Sterling. They're all very fast players who love to run in behind, uh, behind the mm-hmm. defense. And their defender, and Germany's defenders are a little bit older. Even their midfield can be a little bit sluggish. So if England moves the ball really quickly, Germany might have trouble keeping up. Which leads mm-hmm. me to think that England has a decent chance, though a lot of English fans think they don't have a chance. Some of them do, and half of them are, are like, Germany stands no chance at all, which is not really true. I think this is a, this is actually a 50-50 toss-up, um, though some people might think it's more favor of Germany, because England doesn't really do well against big teams, typically, which, yeah, historically they don't do good against teams, but... Historically, if we're going to take a look at history, England, you know, apart from sports history, England's had a very good time at whacking Germany when the, when the time comes, if we just look at the World Wars. So uh, I'm going to say England's going to win this. Okay. And we'll okay. be back in a week to discuss how bad my decision-making is. <laughs> I'm excited to see. That's my... The game I'm looking forward to most out of the remaining four. 
uh, round of 16 games by far. Yeah, and Tuesday at, I think, is it three? I mean, I can check really quickly. Tuesday at noon. Tuesday at noon. Yeah. And then the quarterfinals start on Friday. Yes. It's a weekend. Yeah. Uh, We're going to start seeing stuff on the weekend, which is nice. You know, you don't have to Mm -hmm. do everything on the weekdays. So, uh... That's yeah, it for yeah. the Euros. I believe uh, you got a little bit of Copa America to talk about. Yeah, I do. I do. So, um, Copa America has been going on. Uh, just quick recap to remind you all how that format's working. It's two groups of five. Everyone plays each other once, so a total of uh, four games. And then the top four from each group go on to the knockout stages. So, you got to be really bad to not make it out of a group of five teams and four of them go on to the next round. Um, Bolivia is the definition of really bad through three games they have lost all three only scored once they're officially eliminated even though they have one more game to go and the other teams in their group they have um, currently Argentina's first Paraguay second Chile third Uruguay fourth in that group Chile's already played all four games they um it's gonna be a toss-up as to kind of where everyone moves um the argentina bolivia and then uruguay paraguay those are the two matches argentina is most likely going to beat bolivia if they do not beat bolivia uh, they've got to do some deep soul searching so i'm going to go ahead and pen argentina in as a win which would then guarantee that they win the group you know just because you said that just because you said that they're going to lose to bolivia Right, right. Just because yeah, I said that. Yeah. That's how that's how Argentina works. They lose the games you don't expect yeah. them to. They sure do. They sure do. It would be so embarrassing if they lost to Bolivia at this point. But um, I mean, I guess not too bad because they've still gone to the next round. They've already you know locked up that spot. But um, yeah, yeah. So then the the real game is the Paraguay Uruguay game, which is going to be interesting. Um, Paraguay has surprised me. They have they've played well. They beat Chile two zero. Um, they played Argentina very tough, although they lost one uh, zero. And then they um, who was their last game? But they beat Bolivia like everyone does. So overall, Paraguay's played well. Uruguay have been a little disappointed with. They they lost Argentina. I mean, it was close, but still, you know, they lost. Chile ended in a tie, and then. Um, they, they did beat Bolivia, but, I mean, again, everyone does. So it'll, it'll be a toss-up, but it is surprising to see Uruguay at fourth. I mean, they have such a, you know, a great – they've got a lot of good players, Luis Suarez and others. Luis Suarez kind of ahead of it all. I think they'll be more dangerous player. in the knockout round. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think their experience will shine through there. I'm thinking Paraguay is kind of reaching their peak now. And I don't expect them to be able to continue this too far into the knockout rounds. Maybe they'll win their quarterfinal match, but I don't see them getting any farther than the semifinals. So that's Group A. Group B has already been decided. The um, the final games were today. Um, Brazil had already locked up the number one spot in their group. And so they played all their backups against Ecuador. In Ecuador was sitting at fourth. They were basically tied with Venezuela. Ecuador had 
two points through three games, Venezuela two points through three games, which means both of them had, because um, you get one point per tie, three points per win. Both Ecuador and Venezuela had tied two games um, and then uh, lost their other game. So, you know, Ecuador, I, I thought Ecuador was going to beat Brazil because Brazil's playing their B squad and they have no reason to, you know, care. Ecuador has every reason to care because if they win, they're in. If they tie, there's a chance they're in. Ecuador ended up tying Brazil 1-1 and Ecuador ended up going on to the next round because Peru was able to beat Venezuela 1-0. So, but still, it was disappointing by Ecuador that they were only able to tie Brazil's backup team. Um, that's kind of rough. So the, team, the teams that got through in that group, Brazil... Uh, won the group. Then it was Peru, Colombia, Ecuador, and Venezuela. And then Venezuela was knocked out. Peru's played well. I mean, in their four matches, they've been able to get seven. Yeah, it's one, kind of hard to judge on... One draw, one loss. It's kind of hard to judge on uh, group stage efficiency yeah. and sort of how they look. Because this is a these are tournaments of endurance, not necessarily how true. much you can smash the first team, second team, third team you play. It's about how much energy you have left at the end. Right, right. Um, no, that's definitely true because this is a long tournament. I mean, they've already played four games. And, I mean, four games doesn't sound like much, but the tournament... It's 90 minutes on. each of constant yeah, running. Minutes. It's not start, stop, start, stop, that. It's not like right. football where there's whistles and plays and stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this is constant movement and running and stuff so yeah endurance is and really important very important and this is a right after their club season seasons have ended so take that you know take that into consideration too they um this is yeah i mean they just finish up their normal season and now they're playing in this tournament so endurance is going to be important the the uh, final two games tomorrow will decide Group A and will decide decide the bracket for the knockout stages. Um, if Argentina does what it's supposed to and beats Bolivia, then um, they would play Ecuador in their first game, and they would, which you know, would be should be nice for them because Ecuador just barely squeaked through. Um, so, yeah, if Argentina wins, they get on the side of the bracket. That's a little bit easier. They play Ecuador the first game, um, and then the winner of the runner-up of the group versus Colombia. So, basically, Argentina wins. They would not have to play Brazil until the final, assuming that Brazil was able to get that far. So, that would be huge. So, this is a big game for them against Bolivia. Indeed, definitely. This is big. Copa America... South American teams are really fun to watch because their style is a lot different from European. Like, mm -hmm. uh, like it's, it's the same game. Yeah. It's same rules. It's just the style is a little different. Different. Yeah. yeah. And it, mm -hmm. it's pretty fun to watch. I'll definitely be I watching agree. these I knockout agree. games uh, when I get the opportunity. Starting to. Friday. Yes. Definitely yeah. going to watch them. It's going to get really Friday fun. and Saturday, the quarterfinals. So uh, on to the NBA. Yeah, let's, we got some uh, some big headlines uh, as part of the coaching, uh, coaching musical chairs. Let's go ahead and start with the Celtics. They've uh, got their new head coach, uh, Ime Udoka. Uh, 
He was a Nets assistant coach, and now he is the head coach of the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know how to react to this. He might be pretty good. Is he? Was he part of the Greg Popovich uh, tree? Or yes, he yeah, was okay. part of. Uh, he was a, an assistant with, in San Antonio from 2012 to 2019. So he was part of that championship team in 2014. Um, he also played a little bit. He actually played for the Spurs for a little while for four years and in uh, 2008 was a part of the team that uh, went to the conference final as a player he was a part of that team so he has experience as a player and as an assistant but this is his first time as a head coach awesome so uh see we'll see how he does uh in other news the pacers they just got rick carlisle (laughs) Uh, I'm not sure about this hire at all. I thought he was going to step away to, you know, take a little bit of rest and mm-hmm. think things through, but no, apparently he just wants to jump straight back in. So, uh, uh, yeah, I was surprised. Why would the, well, before we get into why the Mavericks would, how about you go ahead and say who the Mavericks get for their head coach? Yeah, the Mavericks they... got Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd's the new Jason head coach. Kidd. And... I'm not sure about this hire either, because uh, his time with Milwaukee wasn't really the best. So yeah. uh, uh, these are uh, two. One of these hires looks pretty nice. Then this, the second one, you know, Rick Carlisle and Jason Kidd. I am not sure about these, to yeah. be honest. So uh, yeah, I mean. They're gonna have to prove. They're gonna have to prove themselves here. They're not going mm-hmm. in with any uh, with any cred to you know. Like, there's nothing to be like. Wait, let him put his system into place. We know what we're gonna get in the long term. Like you'd get from Dan Tony right. or something. The, yeah. These are basically a little bit more unknown because they're going to new teams. Yeah. I mean, Jason. I don't know. I'm I'm surprised about. Yeah, I'm surprised Rick Carlisle would go to would leave Dallas to go to um, Indiana. I know that he was. It was technically that he got technically he stepped down from the Mavericks. Although this move has got me, you know, wondering was was he did he step down or was he asked to leave or told like, hey, you need to make sure you step down from Dallas. I mean, from what I saw, I it was him asking, the, him basically informing Mark Cuban he's not going to come back. And that doesn't make any sense, because he's going from a team that is very much on the up and up. I mean, who does not want to have Luka Doncic as one of your star players? To the Pacers, and I know the Pacers got talent, but I mean, just... They're they, not Luka Doncic. They're not Luka. Yeah, they're not Luka Doncic. You look over the next three years and you you think, okay, how should this team perform over the next three years? Then Dallas should be performing a lot better than Indiana, and in, over these next three years. So it just seems like a weird weird change for him. Although maybe he was just tired of being at the same place for thirteen years. Yeah, maybe a change of scenery year. might be helpful for him. Yeah. Yeah. And Jason Kidd, I I have no idea what's gonna happen here. Uh, yeah. Telling people to shoot threes or not to shoot threes. His his style is basically you either do this or you don't do this. There's no like sometimes take the shot, sometimes don't. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. sure whether he likes to 
play with the statistics or at all, at all. so uh, yeah we'll see um yeah in other nba news the draft lottery has happened and uh, a few teams are gonna be really sad about this uh but mm-hmm. let's let's go ahead and start from 14 up the warriors are at 14 pacers at 13 mm-hmm. spurs at 12 hornets at 11 so there's no real surprises in here hornets at 11 it's basically where the hornets have selected every year but last year just about 11 <laughs> pelicans at 10 yeah. kings at nine that's a little bit of a surprise mm-hmm. i guess kings probably wish they got something a little bit better uh mm-hmm. magic at the eight this is a pick that they received from the bulls in the vucevic trade so the bulls have no first round picks despite needing to really uphaul uh their team to make it work around uh, Vucevic and Levine. So I could see them doing a lot of wheeling and dealing to try to move some pieces here in and out to put the best Mm -hmm. thing they can around those two guys. Uh, Whether or not Kobe's on the trading block, I don't know. From what it looks like, he's not, but it's, of course, trade talk. You want to keep the value of your guys up as much as possible. Um, At the seven, Warriors. This is a pick from the Timberwolves. Uh, as part of the, uh, I believe this was part of the uh, Wiggins trade. So the Timberwolves don't get a yeah. pick. Uh, it goes to the Warriors. So the Warriors have two lottery picks here, which is huge. I have a feeling the Warriors will probably use these two picks to move someone uh, or to bring somebody in. Probably that would be my best guess. Um, at six, the Thunder. Five, the Magic's actual pick. That's their own pick. Four, the Raptors. Then the top three are uh, the three at Cavs, two Rockets, and one, the team that gets to ruin Cade Cunningham, the Detroit Pistons. That's how I I always describe the team with the number one pick. It's the team that gets to ruin the number one pick. (laughs) And it's, uh, it's the Pistons. Uh, I feel yeah. I feel bad for Kate Cunningham. Why would anybody want to live in Detroit? Uh, I mean, I it's, it's a storied franchise, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know if they really have the uh, youth development that other teams have, to be honest. And uh, well, I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I feel there's going to be some teams that make a jump, teams that move in and out of this uh, top 14. Uh, the Hornets might be one of those teams because as it stands at 11, I think the only good players the Hornets can get are wings and the Hornets don't really have any shortage of wings at the moment uh, if, especially if you count P.J. Washington's yeah. wing because I, I really think he is um, he, he should not be playing the 5 at all uh, not an undersized mm-hmm. 5 which sort of leads me to think, is there a way the Hornets can wheel and deal that 11th pick and something else to get uh, a center because the center is the last piece the hornets need to actually have a Mm -hmm. team that functions and i'm kind of hoping that the hornets are able to you know move stuff around and make this happen see the thing is the the only real center that's a lottery pick is evan mobley exactly supposed to supposed to be i mean some are saying number two yeah although Kind of two through four, 
is what people are thinking. I mean, um, it's either two or four. The Cavs aren't going to draft a center. Right, right. They don't need a center. Yeah. yeah. The Magic I might. But we're going to pick. If, if Mobley yeah. drops the five, he, he'll, the Magic will definitely pick him up because they don't really like Wendell Carter okay. Jr. or Mo Bamba. Um, yeah. And they've got their guards and Cole Anthony and Fultz, so mm. they might go for a wing. I don't know. They might need wings. I saw a um, which call it a mock draft that said that if the Hornets stay at eleven, they would um, uh, pick this guy out of um, out of Besiktas, um, the the Turkish team, Alperin's Shen. Gun. Uh, I'm not really too sure how to pronounce his name. Um, 18 year old guy who's 6'10, 240. So he's he's center sized and he was the Turkish League MVP last year um, at 18. Yeah, the Hornet subreddit has taken a look, I believe, at him. I don't remember what the consensus was. I think probably mm-hmm. one of the, like, there's a limited amount of Turkish League uh, videos and stuff you can watch. Right. Um, right. I think probably something with him was probably his defense or something, but uh, it's something you'd have to yeah. take a deeper look at. You'd want him to work out with you. Um, <laughs> the Hornets just need a defensively sound center who yeah. can rebound, and I think the only like one who's like that is Mobley. You still have Vernon Carey? Yes. We drafted him last year. Did he ever year. play this year? He did. He played a little bit. He really was more of a guy who would pick one spot in the paint and stay there he wasn't mm-hmm. really as explosive as he was at duke which is kind of mm-hmm. annoying yeah. he wasn't really trying though yeah. uh, he could probably develop this offseason something i don't know we'll see yeah but that is the end of the lottery right there if any big trades or something happen other than you know kemba going to okc we will let you know um, mm-hmm. But I guess let's let's get into the final little piece of that. Let's get into the last little piece of the NBA, the two conference finals. Bucks won, Hawks won. Hawks stunned the Bucks at the Bucks in the first game to take a lead. The Bucks come back in a overwhelming, overwhelming uh, blowout in Game Two to tie mm-hmm. the series up. The series will go to Atlanta to be played today on the twenty seventh of June. Um, the series will go either way. Uh, as it stands right now, uh, who did we have winning this? I, I think we both had the Bucks. I yeah. had the I had the Hawks and seven. Oh really? Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Hawks and seven. Uh, you said you said Bucks and six. So yeah. yeah. The the I think that series is going to seven. So uh, yeah. we'll see. Gian- it's just Giannis's time to prove who he is. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the West Coast, Suns and Clippers. Suns yesterday took a three-one lead mm-hmm. at the Clippers and have the opportunity to win the series at home tomorrow on Monday, the twenty-eighth. Yeah. I mean, I predicted Suns in five. You said Suns in six. I think both of those are valid. I don't see the Clippers coming back, frankly. Uh, Paul George isn't enough for this team to win. Not against Paul Booker and Co. Basically, yeah, yeah. I think it's 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 tough that they're 
I mean, three one down, not many teams can come back from that. Although Ty Lue has done that before. Um, if Ty Lue the... comes back from three one down with this team, that is like oh that. That should be just plastered all over the wall. That is instant Hall of Fame. Instant yeah, Hall yeah. of Fame. To to be able, if he could do that twice, I mean that'd be crazy. Although, okay, so one thing I will say to give Clippers fans some hope, although I'm still going with the Suns. Uh, winning the series to give Clippers fans some hope game two came down to the last second on a DeAndre Ayton lob last second oh, what um, a that, that, that game is really fun that that was a very fun game you know game three they won Clippers won game four I mean it was a four point game um and then both games two and four Paul George missing like missed free throws that kind of cost them the game i mean game two definitely i mean he missed so many free throws in game two yes but also you know a couple late it, it, even four. yeah game yeah game four he missed yeah. a lot of free throws at the end yeah so for the like the clippers you say you sit there and tell uh paul george like hey you make your free throws and this could be three one the other way right yes so i mean they've got to take some so they're not out yet because that's a i mean free throws are obviously huge but paul george is usually a good free throw shooter so it's almost like you know this series is not as close to over as a normal 3-1 series just because of the reasons why the suns have won but um but i'm still sticking with the suns i mean they just got too much talent on their team and uh i mean Clippers would need Kawhi to come back to be able to. He is not coming back, man. Yeah, he's not coming back. So, yeah. If yeah. if the Clippers put, if if the Clippers put Kawhi in, he's gonna get injured again. It's gonna get real bad. We're gonna have a repeat of the San Antonio issue. Yeah, which would suck. Yeah. Um, uh, I did put a note in during game two that during the last few seconds uh, on an inbound play, the Clippers were showing Cam Johnson some respect by putting PG thirteen on him. They were putting Paul George on Cam Johnson to make sure he didn't get an open three. Man, that's uh, that's I'm that's glad a, for Cam Johnson. Yeah. That makes me proud. Yeah, UNC guy doing that. He's, right he, there. He, he's an integral part of that team. He is. He fits really well into that yeah. team. Yeah. Um. So as it stands, um, there are only two teams with UNC players left on it. It's uh. It's the Bucks with Justin Jackson, and it's the Suns with uh, Cam Johnson. It's mm-hmm. gonna be fun. We're gonna see an NBA Finals Justin Jackson versus Cam Johnson duel. That's yeah. Let's hope. Let's hope. You know that yeah. I can guarantee. I mean, at the yeah. beginning of the season, you have to say the team with the UNC player on it is going to win, win it all because that's how it yeah. works almost every single year. So, yeah, uh, Danny Green's helped with that a lot. Danny Green has helped. Um, mm-hmm. Harrison Barnes also before him. I think there's only been one yeah. year in the last few where there hasn't been one. But uh, yeah, that, that wraps it up for uh, for this week. We'll be back next week with all the new uh, news and you know, events happening. And of course, one of my favorite parts, the uh, quick fire. Always interesting right. stuff yeah. happening. Uh, yes. Definitely going to look up to see what the world record for time spent in the Waffle House is. So uh, that's going <laughs> to be fun. Um, you know, 
I wish. You know what? No, I'm I'm not gonna wish this because it's gonna it's always gonna bite you back. You know, having uh, losing conditions uh, in fantasy football because having to spend 24 hours in a Waffle House sounds painful. That sounds terrible. Yeah, but uh, that is it for me. Yeah. You got anything else to add? No, I do not. All right. Well, uh, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Have a good day. See ya.